This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so glad that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, welcome, friends, into what will be a very healing, liberating, and freeing edition of Equip. But before we get to all of that, I hope you did not stay up too late watching the big game last night. If your team won, congrats. If your team lost, I do have a therapist number for you. I've been on the losing end of many of these games as a Lions fan, Detroit Lions fan. So with that being said, though, I hope everyone had a great time and that the highlight of your day yesterday wasn't even the Super Bowl. The highlight of your day is uh, the fact that you gather together with the people of God and the house of God to lift up the name of God. I hope that you had a great weekend. But as we come into this week, I could not be more thrilled about the topic we're going to talk about. Not thrilled in a kind of gleeful way, but in anticipation of the healing that I think it's going to bring to many, especially the women who are listening today. Today, we're going to talk about shame. And if you've ever experienced what it's like to be shamed because of body image or shamed as a wife because somehow you were told or you feel you don't measure up or shamed even as a mom because, after all, every other mom seems like on social media everything's perfect in their life. Or maybe you even went to church hoping to find freedom from shame only to see a pastor or a message or a sermon intentionally or unintentionally double down on your feelings of shame. And today we want to talk to your heart about a wonderful book entitled Never Cast Out, How the Gospel Puts an End to the Story of Shame. It's written by Jasmine Holmes. Jasmine is a wife, a mother, a teacher, speaker, and author of several books, and uh, she has been doing a podcast as well uh, through the Gospel Coalition. She has written for outlets like Christianity Today and The Witness. Her and her husband, Philip, are the proud parents of two pretty awesome sons as well. And I'm so grateful for her carving out time to be with us today. Jasmine, how are you? Hey, Jasmine, are you there? Okay, we're going to have to work through some technical difficulties. Hopefully we get Jasmine back quickly. Uh, but as we get ready to uh, talk to Jasmine about her her book, I do want to again encourage you to stay with us because we're going to take your calls. And if you've been dealing with shame, if uh, shame has been the story of your life uh, for the time that you can remember, I believe that Jasmine's book and ministry will be healing to you. I think we have Jasmine back. Jasmine, how are you today? I am doing well. Nothing's going to stop this conversation, Jasmine. <laughs> I am uh, convinced that it is important 
It is critical, and it is really the story of our generation. So let's just talk about shame. First off, what led you, Jasmine, on a very personal level to write about shame? And let me just preface this question by saying one of the things I appreciate about you as an author is that you do write from a very vulnerable place. You bring your whole self to every project that you've uh, that you've been a part of, but this one seems to be very uniquely personal. So, what is it that t- caused you to say, "I need to write about shame"? Well, it's an interesting story because I think, in and of my own self, I never would have written a book about shame, um, just because of my own struggles with shame, but. Um, Ashley Gorman, my publisher, uh, my editor at Lifeway, the book was her idea from reading things that I had written before. She came to me and she said that she saw the kind of like this underlying issue that kept coming up over and over and over again in the things that I wrote and in the things that I talked about. And she called it out as shame. And that's something that mentors in my life, my husband, my therapist, so many people had already pointed out that I had uniquely grappled with for a really long time. So when Ashley called that as well, it just felt like a Holy spirit thing. You know, it's really interesting because um, I'm fresh off of uh, a day of preaching yesterday. And uh, so much uh, was just the glory of God's grace and goodness seen at work and in ministry in so many ways. But there was this conviction. I felt I used an illustration, Jasmine, that um, I thought would hit the hearts of the hearer in a particular way. And on the other side of it, the feedback that I got with all sincerity is that a number of people left feeling shame. And I found myself saying, man, that wasn't what I was going for. I actually wanted to do something different. I was trying to illustrate something different. I bring Mm -hmm. that up just to say that I think sometimes the place where shame's story should end is often reinforced, and that is our churches, and not mm-hmm. just our churches, but those churches that would describe themselves as being evangelical, broadly, and I don't say that with any contempt, I'm just saying committed to Scripture, wanting to mm-hmm. keep the gospel central, all of those things are ways I would describe our church, but yet, and I would love for you to speak to this, even in those churches that sincerely want to center the ministry on Jesus and the gospel, we can often reinforce shame, can't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially being, I mean, for me, I grew up in the church. I grew up in evangelical context. I'm a pastor's kid. Um, If you ask me to describe myself as a biblical character, it would be the oldest son in the prodigal son narrative for sure. Mm. Um, And so shame is just something that Again, nobody purposefully sewed into me. And um, had I been able to articulate it, you know, they would have spoken truth to it. But I think so often it's something that's right right underneath the surface. Let's talk about how broad based this is. You um, describe in your book there's body shaming, marriage shaming, single shaming, mom shaming, lifestyle shaming, religious shaming. It seems that shame is ubiquitous. Is that an overstatement? Or is that um, a reflection that's accurate on our culture right now? Yeah, I think it is accurate. I think um, researchers like Brene Brown and others have just done so much work to bring out the fact that shame really is something that we we all deal with in different ways. Um, women tend to deal with it a little bit more than men in our culture. Um, but it, it's something that we find kind of under every rock and in every nook and cranny. 
And and why is that? What do you think is driving this kind of um, surge of shame, if you will? I think it's something that's always been there. Um, when we look at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, I mean, as soon as they ate the fruit, their very first response was shame. It was that need to hide from God, that need to cover themselves um, with fig leaves and to run in the opposite direction of him. And I think that throughout humanity, we've just seen echoes of that. I think it manifests differently, of course, in Western contexts than in Eastern contexts, um, but yeah. it's still something that's present. All right, so what happens in our lives, Jasmine? And uh, feel free, uh, you can even reference personally, but what happens in a person's life when shame becomes the narrative? It is a cruel master. Um, It constantly asks us to do better, be better. Nothing that we do is ever good enough. Nothing that we do is ever going to be good enough to satisfy that voice. And so some people it paralyzes, some people it motivates, but that motivation only lasts for so long. Um, Some people it causes them to try to put shame on other people. Again, back to the garden with Adam and Eve, who told you to eat the fruit uh, was Eve, uh, was a serpent. Um, You know, that constant blame shifting, it just brings us into all kinds of patterns that ultimately just push us further and further away from God. So what's your hope? Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about so many people. I'm thinking about myself and my own uh, journey with shame and, and dealing with that. I think about um, so many people I know, people who want to honor God with their lives, people who want to really model a Christ-likeness to their children, who want their marriages to reflect the beauty of the gospel as well, Christ's relationship with his church. Um, What is your message and your hope for those who read the book? Oh, I hope that people will be set free. That's the main thing that I always say, set free. And when I say that, I mean free in Christ, the the freedom that only the gospel provides. And, And what is that? What does that look like to you? For me, in my life, it has looked like shame does not completely go away. I don't think that it ever goes away the side of heaven because I think that it's telling us something. Um, I think that it's giving us information about ourselves and our circumstances that we should pay attention to. Um, But I don't think that it has to be a ruler in our lives because we have the person and work of Christ Jesus. And he tells us that he buries our shame. He tells us that he's taking care of those feelings of smallness and humiliation and isolation and that he brings us close. He brings us close to him. And so ultimate freedom is just looking to him as the author and completer of our faith. All right. Maybe you're listening today as Jasmine and I are setting up this conversation and really just framing it for you. We're going to get into the content of the book, never cast out um, how the gospel puts an end to the story of shame. But I also want to open up the phone lines because I think this is a conversation where God is calling us to come alongside a few folks, uh, Jasmine, today. Maybe today Jasmine and I can be a prayer partner. Maybe today we can help you just to see the gospel a little bit more clearly so that you can go free. Um, maybe today you know what it's like to live under the weight of shame and it is crushing you. And uh, this conversation was God specifically handpicked for you. The phone number to join the conversation, 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. That's 877 877- 
548-3675. Jasmine, I just want to ask one question before we go to break about the story of shame, where where it begins, because it seems like uh, from the very dawning pages of Scripture, we encounter shame. It it really does date back to the garden, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. So talk a little bit about that, the, the beginning of the story of shame. Yes. So Adam and Eve had a directive from God um, not to eat from the tree of a certain of the fruit of a certain tree. Um, they disobeyed him. And when they did shame entered the world, it was the very first time that they realized that they were naked. It was the very first time that this God who they had walked with in the garden, who they'd only experienced good things from, um, became threatening to them, became someone that they wanted to hide from. Um you know, and God comes and he tells you this first question is like, who told you? Like, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you had something to hide about? Um, and it was that knowledge. It was that knowledge that kind of like invaded their entire bodies, that knowledge of not being worthy to stand before a holy God. And that's really where shame starts. Um, but it's also where God promises us that it'll end when he promises that a savior is coming. Yeah. And, and ultimately it is this hope. There's this hope that in Christ the shame, the, the story of shame can end. And in Christ, uh, shame can be replaced with this deep sense of acceptance that I am enough because Christ is enough. And the pages of your book really shine forth the beauty of the gospel and how it puts it into the story of shame. All right, we're going to take a short break. But while we're on this break, I want to encourage you to call in 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. As I said, we're going to uh, take your calls as well as dive deep into the book, Never Cast Out. I also want to encourage you to go to our website so you can find out more about Jasmine and about the resource. Uh, you could do so by going to equipradio.org. Also, remember that social is available to you as well, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How do we live in the in-between? We're going to talk about that as well. How does the gospel give us grace and godly sorrow? We're going to talk about that as well as take your calls. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Struggling with questions about your sexuality? Do you have answers for those who ask you questions on this issue? In his book, Is God Anti-Gay? And other questions about Jesus, the Bible, and same-sex sexuality, author Sam Alberry compassionately explains the biblical view. Then he presents a more wonderful view of sexuality than you may have ever considered. Request your copy when you support Equip with a gift of any amount this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today we're talking to Jasmine Holmes. She's written a wonderful book, um, primarily directed at the heart of women who in this generation are living with the weight of shame and have experienced over and again the dangerous and destructive effects of a very shaming culture from social media to maybe even 
unhealthy relationships to those that are meant to be redemptive relationships. Maybe you have felt the guilt of shame, uh, the, the weight of shame, rather, in so many ways of your life. I would love for you to join this conversation. If we can pray for you, if we can uh, help to be um, a friend that comes alongside today, we'd love to do that. 877-548-3675. And as always, I want to make sure we create a safe space for gospel conversations, 877-LIVE-675. I, I want to bring balance to the conversation because it's not as if shame doesn't have some value, some very important value. So talk about the relationship uh, to shame and, and common grace, shame in our culture. What do you want us to know about what's good about shame and what's bad about shame? One of the things that I was a little bit nervous about going into this book um, was the response of people who would think that I was saying that we needed to do away with shame. And so we talk in the book, I talk about um, three different responses to shame that are incorrect or incomplete responses. And the very first one is the cast it off response. The shame is always bad. It's always something that we don't need to listen to. It's always something that needs to be done away with. And on a basic level, as we operate in society, we need shame. Shame is part of what keeps us in check. It's what keeps us from hurting other people um, sometimes. It's what keeps us from um, doing things that are harming to society as a whole, um, particularly when we don't have the Holy Spirit. And it's one of those things where if we don't have shame, um, there's a name for that. It's called a sociopath. And it's someone who we don't really want to be around because we probably won't be very safe. Um, So shame is something that is hardwired into us. Like it's a base level thing that's hardwired into us. However, as believers, we've been called to something higher than base level. And so even though shame can kind of like keep us back from certain things or give us a message as to when we're hurting other people or when we are doing things that are not the greatest, um, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a loving and shepherding and um, just really beautiful influence on our lives as opposed to shame, which is isolating if we let it become that. Yeah, so you're 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 not opposed to shame being used in um, in a convicting way, if you will, to bring uh, those in particular those who have yet to trust in Christ to repentance. Um, but it is uh, in Christ where we should sense the relief from the weight of shame and be able to walk in our identity as a son or a daughter who is loved deeply by Jesus, it seems to me, as I uh, read through your book. Now, for some some people, and in some ways, we as pastors have often used shame as a motivator for sanctification. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's the second way that we try to deal with shame is to use it to motivate us to do better. Um, And honestly, for some people that works. I'm married to a man who when he feels shame, when he's like, you know what? I didn't get up yesterday. I am lazy. I am not good enough. I need to do better tomorrow. That works for him. He's going to get up the next day and he is going to try to like kick that feeling in the rear and get it out of his life. For me, 
that completely paralyzes me. <laughs> it just makes me feel like, well, if you're not good enough anyway, then why try? Um, so sometimes it can be kind of a little a, a personality difference, but also ultimately we want to be motivated to do the right thing out of love for God and out of wanting to be close to him, wanting to obey him, wanting to serve him, wanting to do what Ephesians says we are to do, which is to be set apart for good works. And so ultimately shame is the subpar motivator when put up against our love for Christ. Yeah, I love that, that it's a, it, it's not that it's not functionally useful at times, but our higher motivation is our love for him, his great love for us, the work that he has done for us, the finished work of uh, Christ and Calvary. Um, so, so that's a beautiful thing that God uh, does in our life and that he calls us to. What's the third lie, if you will, on how we deal with shame? The third is placing it on other people, which Adam and Eve give us the perfect example of that. When God asked them what they were doing, what they had done. I think there may have been a, a hiccup in our connection with Jasmine. And as we work on reconnecting there, why don't you give us a call? 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Again, 877 877- Five four eight thirty six seventy five. Uh, we're going to take some calls today. Uh, let's go to Terry, who's listening in Chicago. Hey, Terry, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment today, my friend? Oh, Tony. Uh, I'm sorry about that, Tony. Why don't you go right ahead, brother? Yes. Um, hi there, Chris. Um, I just actually had a question which has been partially answered about shame being legitimate in uh, in our experience of sure. uh, dealing with sin. Um, but, you know, I, I'm wondering that in the reality of maybe some of the statistics we know about the current status of the body of Christ in the way of um, you know, pornography would be a good example or sure. you know, many other things that we that we deal with. Um, I'm wondering if there isn't um, really a need for a greater conviction um, and, and a, a greater need of repentance, which would include the issue of shame, in, uh, temporarily, obviously, um, because as Christians we can turn and we can, re- and we can repent fully and receive complete reception sure. and healing. Um, so I'm just uh, – that's, that's Yeah, really I think you bring up a great – I think you bring up a great point, Tony. Here's what I would love for you to consider. 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 10, because I think here is where we find um, the balance. And I love the balance through which Paul talks about the difference between um, really this grace and, and godly sorrow. Listen to these words. Paul writes this, For godly grief produces a repentance, that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So it's really in many ways where the sorrow leads you, right? Where the the sense of shame uh, leads you. If it's if it's leading you to a greater uh, awareness of our need for Jesus, um, uh, if it's leading you to uh, an acknowledgement of His grace. Uh, as the uh, the victory over sin 
in in your own life, that's a beautiful thing. But it, on the on the converse, though, obviously Satan comes to manipulate that, right? And we can agree that as we watch yes. suicide rates increase, we can yes. agree with uh, even like cyberbullying, all these things that there is an unholy, unhealthy, demonic way that the enemy would want to use that same thing that could be uh, re- redemptive and leading us to repentance. It can also lead us in uh, in an unhealthy way to something far more destructive. Thanks, Tony, for giving a call and for sharing your comment. I believe Jasmine is back with us. Uh, Jasmine, the joys of technology. If anyone ever wonders if this is a live interview, I think we've just <laughs> dispelled the myth. Uh, but you may have heard real quickly, Tony wanted to know what's the balance here because we do want some uh, shame over uh, sin, uh, but not in a destructive way. What would be your response? I love that you pointed out that verse in Corinthians. Um, that was something that was really important for me to include in the book, that godly grief that leads us to repentance versus the worldly yes. grief um, that honestly just leads us further and further away from from God and further into ourselves and further into hopelessness. So, I mean, I, can't, I cannot think of a better answer than the one that Paul gave. Yeah, I mean, Paul helps us to be able to see uh, the redemptive aspects of it as well as the destructive ways in which uh, shame can really paralyze us, as you described it. Well, what we're going to do is take a break. And as we get ready to take this break, I want to give you an opportunity to find out more about this wonderful uh, book. And I would encourage this to be read. Uh, It could be read alone, certainly. Reading it on your own is a value, but I also think there is a tremendous value to reading it together with the group. So maybe uh, you're listening to me and you have a group of women that you gather with to read through good books with. This one would be great. Never cast out. When we come back, we're going to talk about practical and powerful ways to fight shame in your daily life. We're also going to take your calls at 877 877- Five four eight thirty six seventy five. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. When you listen to Equip, you know I love to introduce you to some incredible guests and topics. But there's one person that I want you to meet more than anyone else. His name is Jesus, and he wants to have a genuine, personal relationship with you. He even died on the cross to take the punishment for all of our sins so that we can join his eternal family. It would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus today. Simply call 877-548-3675. Again, give us a call at 877-548-3675. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I want to say thank you to our partners and our friends that make such a huge difference in your prayers for us, also in your generosity towards this program. If we've been a blessing to you, if the program has encouraged your heart, if you've grown in your knowledge of God and His grace and your love for Jesus has increased, I want to encourage you to stand with us today. You can do so prayerfully. You can also do so financially. Find out more dialing 888 888- 644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. We certainly could use a monthly partner or two. Someone who sets aside 
a dollar a day, $30 a month to say I will stand with Equip to ensure that this program stays on in my community and that the gospel continues to be spread to a, a new generation dealing with so many challenges that need gospel truth. 888-644-4144. Today I'm looking at a new study for women produced by Jasmine Holmes. It's entitled Never Cast Out, How the Gospel Puts an End to the Story of Shame. There's so many questions that are coming in and I want to just process with you on Jasmine as well as open up the phone lines to our listeners. But I want to talk about the practical ways of dealing with shame. What are some of the things that we need to know about um, really powerful and practical ways we can deal with shame? One of the best ways is in community. I love what you said before the break about with other people, like getting a group of people together to yes. read the book, because the major ways that I to point out the shame in my life is by other people alongside me. And for me, so my husband and I have been um, married for nine years this year, and we have... Thank you so much. Uh, so the other day, um, actually way back when I was writing this book, I was almost finished. I was inside of the house. I was doing something. And my husband walks in and he goes, oh, my goodness, this house is a mess. He goes, we need to do better at, like, putting, picking up after ourselves. And it was, like, very, like, we language. Like, it, it was such a we. But I was like, like, how dare you, how dare you say that? And, and so I kind of, like, went, like, deep. I went deep into my shame bubble yeah. of, like, I'm a because I don't clean up. And I don't clean up because I'm, and I shouldn't be writing a book. I should be full kids because I'm working it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was all of the, like, yeah. it all came. It all got on top of me. And my husband, you know, he's quiet. Like, he just, he just was like, because I was processing quietly. And then kind of really softly, I look at him and I go, I that shame was speaking very loud. And he goes, I, I, I think it was too. He was like, I honestly, I promise, babe, when I said it, I literally meant, like, we together because we're yes. both working and we're yes. both need. It was like very teamwork language. Yeah. Just give it a chance. But the shame almost didn't let me give it my chance. <laughs> well, you know, sense. let me just say, and you pass this on to him, my brother, Philip. We have all been there. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. I've walked in the house and thought I was saying something that was uh, simple, only to find out I have just messed up in a bad oh, way. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're covered. So community is one of those things that is great because you're around people, hopefully gospel foreign people that can remind you of who you are in Christ and, and, and mm-hmm. the finished work of Christ in your life and help to refocus your, uh, your, your, um, really your gaze upon Jesus mm-hmm. instead of your own weakness. So that's really good. Any other ways that you would say we really, uh, practically and powerfully can respond to shame. Staying equipped with the word of God. So, so often when messages of shame come, they're not actually from God, they're from our surroundings. And what I mean by that is for, again, like going back to dirty house example, I'm editing a book. I am pregnant with my third baby. I am, you know, all these things are happening when Philip said these words to me. And it would have been really easy for me to go into this self-flagellation of like, 
oh my goodness. And I am left. God thinks less of me because my laundry isn't done. God thinks less of me because I didn't have dinner on the table on time or I didn't cook the dinner that's on the table. God thinks less of me because fill in the blank. And the truth of the scripture is that none of those things could make God think less of me because when God looks at me, he sees the finished and perfected work of Jesus. And so just that constant practice of going back to who God is, just that constant practice of going back to godly conviction, like what he actually wants us to be convicted about. You know, for me in that moment, it wasn't laziness. It was literally life was on top of me. God understands that. God gets that. Um, And then if it is laziness, going to God again and knowing that he does not think any less of me, that he has made provision for the forgiveness of sin and also made provision for me to do better. I want to talk on a very practical, real level. There are ladies that are listening to us that have people in their life that, unlike Philip's comment, uh, are constantly driving them to shame. Uh, There are a Mm -hmm. lot of women who um, I pastor or uh, get a chance to interact with that would even describe their relationship with their mom that way or their parents yeah. that way. What, yeah. Some even with their spouse. So so what do you say, uh, what wisdom do you give to a person who has someone in their life that is constantly shaming them? Something that I talk about in the book that <laughs> – everybody who knows me is like, this should be a a whole nother book that you write because it's my answer to so many questions is boundaries. (laughs) Having those boundaries of, you know, who is allowed to speak into my life with power and who is not allowed to speak into my life with power. And is the person that is speaking the shame into my life, have they gone into me in other ways? So I have, (laughs) my mom is your typical, just like, black mom. She, she just, she has it together. Like when I tell you this woman has nine children, you walk into her house, there's no evidence of those kids anywhere. Like it's clean. (laughs) (laughs) She's a homeschool mom. She's just, she's a pastor. Like like she's got it together. My mom. Everything is in its proper place. Everybody's well manicured. All of it. Yes. Everything is put together. And so the thing about my mom, though, is if she were to walk into my house and she were to see that there was stuff on the floor, she'd be like, girl, we can do better than this. And then she would get (laughs) on her knees and start helping me clean up this stuff. Is it that or is it somebody who's coming in and being like, you should do better than this and then walks out? Yeah. So who's actually like sewing practically into your life in a way that's like coming alongside you and helping you? And who's just being a peanut gallery and enforcing those shame messages? Yeah, and and I would say, too, um, even with, uh, I love the example you use, there are a host of people, and sometimes I can even be that person who may not even be mindful that the things that I'm saying or doing may be bringing shame in an unhealthy or um, uh, ungodly way. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes having the loving conversation is helpful as well. Like, hey, I appreciate you reminding me of the fact that I can do better. But sometimes the way that you say it or do it brings shame. I think sometimes having that honest conversation is really important. I want to ask a question about parenting because I know you think about parenting a ton. And uh, Mm -hmm. again, congratulations on the third one that's coming, praying for you. And uh, I, I'm a dad with five kids at home, and 
you know, my wife and I are constantly trying to navigate through this whole thing of grace and godly sorrow and helping them to see themselves in a healthy way while in the same way making sure that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is 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 acknowledged and felt. How do you um, guard against passing shame down to your kids or maybe put a different way, shame-based parenting? So I have... I have three boys. I actually had my last one 18 months ago, but um, my oldest is six, and he is a lot like me. Um, He is very prone to shame. He's very prone to navel-gazing. He's very prone to people-pleasing. And so with him, when he does something and has to be corrected, it's not just like, hey, when don't touch that thing. It's he hears when don't touch that thing. You're so dumb. How could you know? Yes. How could you not yeah. know not to touch that thing? Get out of my face. I don't like you. And I know that because when I was his age, I heard the same thing said in as little words. Like nobody said that to me. Nobody felt that way about me, but that's how I felt anytime I received a correction. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a terrible person. And so with my oldest, with my middle, you can say, don't do that. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Won't. Um, but with my oldest, it's more of, hey, don't do that. And I'm going to explain why not to do that. And then I'm also going to grab you because you're going to want to walk away and isolate. And I'm going to hug you. And I'm going to say, I love you. And are you feeling kind of like, are you feeling kind of weird right now? I know it's weird. It's weird to be corrected. It makes you feel kind of funny inside, but it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't mean that I think you should know better. Of course you didn't know better. I'm just letting you know. And I'm not saying that that takes all of this thing away, but I just want him to be aware that I know what I know how he feels. And when he's ready to articulate those feelings, I'm I'm right here with the gospel to yeah. say, here's how Jesus looks at you. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you follow up correction with a hug, and especially when they're young, but it doesn't stop when they get older. Sometimes the older, the teens, uh, as well as the young adults, need a hug as well. But I love that this correction is followed up by affirmation. I think that is such a, a powerful and practical way to guard against shame-based parenting. And I often, Jasmine, at least in my own life, see a deep connection between shame-based parenting and fear-based parenting. I find Mm -hmm. that when I am most at risk of shaming my kids is when I'm most consumed by fear. Instead of uh, parenting them out of faith, what I've done is taken one mistake that they've made, and I've projected it to, oh, my goodness, you... um, took your brother's toy, and the next thing I know in my mind, they're in jail for a 30-year sentence, you know, later on in life, you know? And yeah, it's like I've, yeah. I've, I've done this whole trajectory thing. And uh, and so then out of fear, obviously the shame comes. And, uh, and I got to get back to a place of faith that the same grace that God used and applied in my life in redeeming and saving me is the same grace that uh, is at work in their life as well. And I have to trust in him and not allow fear to take me to a place where I'm having vain imaginations followed up by shame-based parenting. So I'm a, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you're calling this out. I'm grateful that you're shining the gospel light on it because for many people, either through unhealthy and destructive relationships or even passing down the very same thing that was crushing and condemning to us 
to the next generation, for many people, this is liberating and this is freeing. The name of the resource is Never Cast Out. And I want to encourage you to get a copy. You can find out more at our website, equipradio.org. Also, Jasmine brought up her mom. So big shout out to Vody and Bridget Bacham. So grateful for their ministry. So grateful for the impact that both have had on your life, Jasmine, and, and uh, through you, the lives of many. So today we honor them as well. Um, the subtitle of the book, How the Gospel Puts and into the story of shame. Find out more at equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Much more to come next up on Equip. At Equipped is our goal to strengthen your faith. And we're always excited as we hear stories of people coming to faith as a result of our program. But we couldn't possibly accomplish this mission alone. That's why we're looking for equippers and people just like you who will give a monthly gift to help us keep this program on the air. Would you consider partnering with us? Become an equipper today and receive special insider benefits, such as a bi-weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Such a great conversation with Jasmine Holmes. And uh, I recognize we could not have this conversation or really any day on this program if it were not for God's grace expressed through the generosity of our partners. So thanks to Keith in Vermont. Thank you to Cheryl in Ohio. Thank you to Leslie in Illinois and Richard in Sarasota, Florida. You guys are awesome. Thank you for your support. Uh, We'd love to invite you to support the program. Maybe today is a day where you say, Chris, I can come alongside and just pray for you guys. And I would ask that you would pray for our team, uh, just like you were living life and facing challenges. So just pray for God's grace that we might be able to uh, serve Christ and you uh, through this ministry on a daily basis. We would love your prayer for us and for our family and our entire team that helps to make this program possible. Secondly, pray for our guests. Uh, There are a myriad of things that have to go right for an interview to go well, including all the technology and phone connections and all of those wonderful things. And, um, And so pray for them and pray for their families as they minister the gospel as well. And maybe as you're praying for us, the Lord will speak to your heart about supporting the ministry financially. Please feel no pressure to do that, but... I will tell you that there are so many who benefit on a daily basis and maybe haven't gotten around to supporting the program financially. If you're one of those who say, I have joyfully benefited from the ministry and I would love to support it, maybe today is that day. Can you call 888-644-4144? I'll give the number again, 888-644-4144. 44, or go to equipradio.org. Jasmine Holmes is my guest. Uh, Jasmine, <clears throat> excuse me, so much of the book, you really tie the connection between shame and belonging. What do you um, believe the false message is between shame and belonging? And what is the gospel message? How does it put an end to the story of shame? The story of 
shame in regards to belonging is, is simply that we don't belong. Um, I think all the time, and I know that I've said it so many times, but really this is, it is the beginning um, in, of the garden where Adam and Eve had only known goodness from God. They'd only known closeness from God. They'd only known walking with him. They'd only known provision from him. But as soon as they disobeyed him and that shame entered the world, they expected the worst from him. They hid from him. They fled from him. They didn't expect him to rescue them. Um, They didn't throw themselves on his mercy as a father. They hid from him as though he wished harm or bad to them. And I think so often the message of shame is that we have to hide because harm or bad will come to us because we're not worthy, because we're not good enough, because we can't stand before um, a holy God. And the message of the gospel is that no, we're not worthy. No, we're not good enough. No, we cannot stand before a holy God in our own power. But because of his provision of a Savior, we can stand before him. We're invited into his presence and into his family. Um, and it really puts an end to that sense of not belonging. Um, and not an immediate end, right? We, we're not in heaven yet. <laughs> but ultimately puts an end to that message that we don't belong. I know you said it earlier, but I'd love for you to be able to close on this note. What is your hope for the ladies, the women who will pick up this book, maybe even with their daughters read it, maybe with other friends read it, or even the woman who is isolated and alone reading by herself, seeking God's grace? What do you want and hope for her? My hope for the book is really that it sets people free that it sets them free in Jesus, that it allows them to um, really cling to him and his word and what his word says about them when they're found in him, Um, that it really helps them to be motivated by love for Christ and not out of um, disdain for themselves or disdain for, um, yeah, for, for the ways that they feel unworthy, that they'd really find their worthiness in Jesus. Jasmine, it is uh, uh, the the book. I think is a gift uh, to so many. Uh, I think that uh, there are many who are listening, and uh, I would love maybe with about thirty seconds uh, left to to simply say a prayer. Father, we thank you uh, that you've placed it on Jasmine's heart uh, through publishers and editors and others who've helped to contribute to this project to write this book to shine a light on the destructive ways that shame has been abused by the enemy in our lives, but also to the powerful way that the gospel ends the story of shame. We pray that many would go free in Jesus' name. Please bless uh, Jasmine, uh, Philip, their children, and uh, Lord, may your hand be upon their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Jasmine, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Friends, I want to encourage you, go to our website, equipradio.org. It's a book that's well worth reading in your time. Never cast out. You do belong at the table in the family of God. How the gospel puts an end to the story of shame. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.